Kraken Fancast, presented by Silver City Brewery. The podcast for Seattle Kraken fans, by Seattle Kraken fans. Release the Kraken! Hi everyone and welcome to episode number 25 of Kraken Fancast, brought to you by Silver City Brewery. I'm your host Chris Porter, I'll be joined momentarily by my colleagues Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson for some summertime off-season talk about our own Seattle Kraken, as well as some general National Hockey League happenings uh, today, particularly about the upcoming NHL draft, which will be happening on July 7 and 8. We'll talk about some of the top prospects, uh, one of whom could be the Kraken's first pick of the draft. We'll also share our takes on the recent NHL Stanley Cup playoffs that just wrapped up. And lastly, we'll chat a bit about the recent Hockey Hall of Fame induction. Uh, some interesting names came up there, and uh, we'll share some of our thoughts and uh, some info about that. Uh, folks, Kraken Fancast releases episodes approximately every two weeks during the season. Over the offseason, we'll check in a little more sporadically. Uh, on our program, we, of course, discuss all subject matter about the National Hockey League's Seattle Kraken. We share news about the team, analyze their play, and go over various team-related news. We'll also at times present interviews with people involved with the team as well as the fan community. Plus, we aim to go into some different subject matter you might not hear on other Kraken-related podcasts. I'd like to start off today by acknowledging our very kind and generous sponsors for our upcoming season here uh, that we have so far. We may get some other sponsors, but right now we've got our presenting sponsor, Silver City Brewery, located in Bremerton with their beer sold throughout the state of Washington and beyond. Beer for one, beer for all. Silver City is an all-inclusive Northwest craft beer adventure in every pint. Also, we want to acknowledge our other sponsor, the Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey theme bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. Okay, let's dive into some talk here, boys. Uh, we're also going to have Jay Middleton, our producer, joining us in a little bit. Um, but first, let's... Uh, Talk about what just happened in the AHL. Go a little bit back in time, short, short bit of time. Uh, it was, of course, the playoffs, including the Stanley Cup Finals, which was won in six games by Philip Grubauer's former team, the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, they overcame some tough play by the defending Stanley Cup champs, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who were going through for a three-peat. And they were two-time champs, going for a three-timer. That was not to be... Uh, thanks to some uh, more excellent play by Colorado. Um, as almost every year, there were some really great competitive series happening. I think, in my mind, there were only a couple of duds. What I mean by duds, lopsided uh, series results, like a series sweep, for instance. Uh, but the majority of the series, I you know, they went six or seven games. Uh, I'll talk about some of my faves that I watched. Uh, I'll go over those in a moment. But first off, I'll, I'll go to you, Nathan, to start off. What were your overall impressions and most notable moments of the finals and, and any of the other earlier round series that you particularly dug? Well, a couple of the games that really stuck out for me was round two Oilers. They put it to the Flames. Talk about lopsided. I was expecting a different outcome. I mean, I was always talking that Edmonton was going to make the playoffs and there were times where we weren't sure, but they got in, they played against the Flames and I thought it was going to be a really good series. I think I remember saying it was going to probably end in a game six. I'm not sure about that, but it was a disaster for the Flames. They lost four in a row. And so Edmonton got a chance to move on. They got to go to what I thought was another exciting 
round against Colorado. One of the games that sticks out for me was when Edmonton lost 4 nothing against Colorado. I was looking at some of the stats and stuff like that. I mean, the penalty minutes, Colorado only had six penalty minutes. They were on the ice. Um, yeah, they were very disciplined. Yeah, 16 or 18 minutes or whatever it was for uh, Edmonton. That's a lot of time off the ice, you know, being being a man down. But uh, one of the one of the biggest things for me, yeah, I wanted to moving on to the finals. I wanted to see Tampa Bay kind of win. But talking with Jim and some other people that said, you know, well, they Avalanche hasn't won in a while, and this would be their fourth, so it'd be kind of exciting to now, now make room to, for somebody ju- new. Ju- just to jump back to something you just said, though, I mean, t- why did you want Tampa? Just because of the history of three, or like what 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 drew? You yeah, just for- to, just to see them win a third. You know, that just really, I mean, it's it's great to win one. It's amazing to win two. But if you can win three in a row, I mean, come on. Especially these days in the NHL, because we rarely see that these days. That was the old days you might see it, but not not in the last 20 years. Yeah, but I mean, you do got to kind of make room for other teams. I know you can't just start, you know, relaxing, say, oh, that team hasn't been here in a while. So let's just play like crap. You know, you're going to you're in it to win it. So. But yeah, I liked the whole thing. Everything about it was good. There were some ups and downs. Some of the plays that I saw were a lot different in the playoffs than you know you see in the beginning of a regular season you know of course that's why they're there in the first place in the playoffs but just so much quicker so much faster so much harder so much more methodical the passing everything shooting everybody's just where they need to be it just looks way different than the beginning of the year it's it's a lot of fun to watch yeah, indeed. To your point about that Oilers Flames series, I thought even though that was in five games, I, I think uh, it was still a good series. There were a lot of good games uh, that screwed up, uh, or it was one of the series that screwed up my bracket. I did an NHL bracket. Uh, Jim and I always do do this one league, and because uh, I was thinking, I and I came so close to picking Colorado in the West of it. I had I had it, I had it uh, Calgary. And the New York Rangers, who almost got there too. So I was I wasn't super off, but uh, I thought you know just I had this feeling ah the Flames just look so strong and but you know regular season is important of course, but you know the playoffs to your point Nathan I mean it's it's you know everybody's zero zero starting over again and the hot teams uh, though they can stay hot uh you know they, that's who wins and uh you know calgary you know just just couldn't keep it going so it was a good good series i agree uh, as was the finals jim how about you what would you think of the cup playoffs well i thought they were outstanding like eight out of ten on the point scale for sure and a lot of that might have to do with the season to begin with for you know a full 82 oh, by the way how's everybody doing good to see you again. hey yeah <laughs> It's going to off season, but it's it, been a while. Um, I was impressed with it just to get 82 games down uh, was refreshing fans in the stands all year, a couple little COVID blips. And then we go into playoffs and regular playoffs again. Um, that had a lot to do with it. The first round was pretty exciting. I love it when teams are playing all night, you know, well, back to back nights uh, for up to four games or two and two or whatever. Um we all know that goaltending plays a huge part in the playoffs, uh, usually on strong performances. But I think one of the 
weird catches this year was a lot of the weak performances by tenders that were just surprising. Like uh, in that first round, you know, the whole uh, Mike Smith thing debacle was typical Edmonton goaltending, right? But they got through. Um, Markstrom struggled the first two rounds and there was one of the, he was one of the best goaltenders going in and his numbers were horrible. And then you had the, the, the great story of um, Louis Domingue taking over uh, Smith's uh, situation in Pittsburgh. Uh, and he played six games and he went three and three and he started the whole uh, spicy pork broccoli thing with his pregame meal or <laughs> well, was was pre, that was his pregame meal before every, well, oh, some, you know, he was, he was kind of, he was playing over his head and he got interviewed, uh, after the game and they said so what's the success or what are you eating or something and he said i don't know i had you know spicy pork and broccoli and it just kind of was a hot topic for a while <laughs> so there's that yeah he was uh, a nice so, surprise i didn't i didn't think pittsburgh was going to get past the first round it was such a good surprise i my wife and i were watching his uh, youtube cooking channel because it was quite entertaining and it was something I'd never even heard about. So that was kind of cool. I suggest looking it up sometime. Second round was very entertaining as well. Uh, nobody was expecting Florida to get swept. Uh, that killed a lot of people in their brackets. I know that. The whole bat uh, Battle of Alberta, which is kind of a dud, obviously, which was sad because Calgary, we all expected more out of that. And it just wasn't happening. I was happy to see Shersteken stand on his head there for quite a while. Throughout the playoffs, I'm a fan of him and his style. Uh, and he brought New York back in the picture, and the fans love him. Then by the time you got down to the uh, finals and all, look, what a machine Colorado was. Uh, I was like Nathan, though. Actually, on paper and just in the past, I'd like Colorado better than Tampa Bay. I, I, neither of these teams are on my radar for anything, to be honest with you. In fact, I hated Tampa Bay for the last five years because of how they dominated the Bruins. But in the last couple of years, the Bruins have kind of turned it around. I actually kind of wanted them to, to take it for the whole three-peat thing. And I'm not even a fan of Patrick Maroon, but I wanted to see him get his fourth, just so, to say I could, you know, join the guys of the 70s and 80s that did that kind of stuff. And we haven't seen that in forever. And, what can you know, by that time, the – Tampa Bay was just hammered with injuries throughout the whole playoffs. It was amazing they even got there. But, you know, McCarr, McKinnon, Landy just were unbelievable to, to watch as a unit. And it's as if from the get-go, at the start of the year, they were predicted to be there. And it just never, you know, they just, like, were freight train the whole way to the end. And uh, quite exciting. The one thing that caught me, though, was another poor, well, frankly, not good, uh, goaltending performance by Colorado in that series or throughout the whole playoffs, actually. You had Kemper, who went 10-4 and four with a very average 902 save percentage, and you even had the backup, Francois, coming in, and he pulled 6-0. and oh. To win on a cup with tending like that's extremely rare, and that just tells you how powerful that offensive unit is. Yeah. It's quite impressive. The defense could mock her, you know, I mean, when the con Smythe, you know, such a young player. Yeah to get that granted i don't remember everybody's age is getting that but they, he's, he's got to be among the youngest um oh yeah and i tell you man i love and even this is during the regular season you know i love watching nathan mckinnon play what a complete player and he's always been good i remember it was you know you, you know first couple of seasons you're know, like oh okay. but yeah, this guy just keeps seem to me i have i don't have the stats in front of me granted but i mean he just seems to be getting better and better and it's 
I, I just, he's just one of those eight, nine guys that maybe not on my, you know, any of my favorite teams, but I just love watching them. They're just, just masters of their craft. I could see him being a future hall of famer. We'll talk about hall of fame stuff in a little while, but it's, it was just amazing. Yeah. I, um, you know, one of the things, I mean, I, I agree with you guys. I mean, yeah, it was, I think all, so many of the series were great. I mean, I can only think of, well, I mean, Colorado was in one of the dud ones early on the, you know, totally manhandling the, the predators in the first round and uh, the lightning over the Panthers. That was, that was ridiculous. Although it felt like the Panthers had just run out of steam. They were just such a juggernaut, but we see that so many president's trophy teams, right. Over the years, just, you know, kick the crap out of everybody. And then just as the season's ending, it's like, Oh, they seem to have some fallibility here. And we saw that with Florida, but man, I mean, just, there were so many other ones that were just, you know, I mean, the Hurricanes and Bruins one, you know, that went seven. I, I know some people thought, you know, the Hurricanes were going to easily win that one. Uh, I And there were some people that predicted the Bruins. I mean, that one could have gone either way. Uh, there was, uh, you know, the Flames and the Stars had, you know, quite a hard fought one. Uh, the Lightning and the Rangers, granted, that went six. But I, I was my disappointment was not seeing that go seven because that just that that could have gone either way, too, I felt. Just a lot. I can go on and on. It was just, I think, a stellar playoff run overall and really satisfying season. Obviously, an extra satisfying season for all of us because, uh, you know, we got to watch the first year of our Seattle Kraken. No, they weren't in the playoffs, but it was so much fun. A lot, a lot of hockey and everything. Speaking of playoffs, uh, I'm going to bring in our producer, Jay Middleton. Jay, um, and you're going to participate in our uh, NHL draft discussion but i thought i'd bring it bring you in on this portion because you were in denver recently i don't you know i don't know yeah. vacay or what you were what you were up to there but it uh, was a vacation there. yeah okay but you were there during you know colorado avalanche uh mania what was that all like <laughs> so this was not planned in any way shape or form around stanley cup time because we had no idea that colorado would even make it all the way but so my wife and I had our first kidless trip since our daughter's been born. And we decided to go to Denver because we'd never been. We thought it'd be fun. We've heard great things about Denver. So we decided, you know, hey, let's go. So we stayed at a hotel in Denver right across the street from the Rockies Stadium. And my wife's a huge baseball fan. So we got tickets for the game. This hotel is a sports themed, like baseball themed hotel. It's, it's called the Rally. It's right across the street from the stadium. Really cool place. I highly suggest staying there. It's one of the best hotels I've ever probably stayed at just in general. Really cool. Now downstairs, there's this plaza that's connected to another like hotel, but it's a bunch of condos connected in this area with a bunch of like amphitheater style seating rows and everything like that. And it's a huge LED screen TV that surrounds it. And they have Stanley Cup stuff going on. And I looked down from the room that we were staying at, you could see down in there, there was not one open spot. It was a giant mob of people just watching this. You can hear the roar of people from our room and just everywhere. That town was all just obsessed with what was going on. During the, the baseball game, they would cut over to highlights of what was going on in the game just there. And we thought nobody was going to be at the baseball game at all, just because of the fact that, you know, Stanley cup hockey, hockey was going on, but it was packed with people and everybody was either watching the game on their phones 
or cutting over to the big screen TV, you know, there where they would show highlights and everything. And it was just insane. That was the shutout game too. I think it was seven to nothing. Oh yeah. One of the biggest. Were very happy that day. Huh? Yeah. It was, it was a really cool experience, but just for shits and giggles, like opening up my phone to see how much tickets were going. Nosebleed seats. Okay, what each one of you guys take a pick of what you think nosebleed, nosebleed seats twenty five for game two. Yeah, twenty five hundred. Okay, well uh, I've been to I've been to four Stanley Cup games, so or actually five. So I'm gonna say, and that was game what? Game, what game was that? Two. Game two. Oh God, it's probably way more than it should be. I mean, seven fifty to a thousand, very top. Nathan, shut out in the dark, maybe twelve hundred. Those bleed seats were thirty two hundred dollars for one seat. (laughs) I win. (laughs) I mean, that was when was the last time the Avalanche were in the Stanley Cup Finals? Two thousand one, I believe. One, I think it was. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, here was my thinking: is and I felt I had overestimated. I thought you were going to maybe say eighteen hundred, two grand, or something, but but I blurted that out. It just it was came to me, but. I had paid, I think, seven fifty for um, Bruins Canucks uh, over ten years ago, 12, 12, you know, eleven, twelve years ago. So, and um, and just the way I just see secondary market tickets going, it, it, for all yeah. sports, is just so ridiculous. So, but uh, so it was mm-hmm. even more than I thought. I thought I gave it, it was insane. Up. It's a very rabid fan base. And plus, you know, they went through a few lean years there not too long ago. It has been a yeah. while that they've been in the finals. Uh, they were very, you know, their appetite was really wet, uh, you know, uh, last year. I mean, there was higher expectations for them, and they really got their revenge this year. So that's great that you could experience that, though. Being in a city with championship fever, it's, uh, it's really special. Totally. Yeah, may we see that in Seattle one of these days. Yeah, All right, can well, you imagine? <sighs> Oh, oh, because I mean the fact that how loud the Kraken fans are for a losing team, it's gonna right. be bonkers beyond bonkers. I have every reason to believe yeah. the team becomes like a you know final four team uh big time. All right, well, good stuff, guys. Let's uh let's go over to our next uh segment and uh and Jay, you'll stay with us on this one. And uh this is um regarding um the the NHL uh draft. Coming up in just a few days, uh, July 7, 8. Um, Seattle Kraken have the fourth pick in round one, the third and 17th picks in round two. 17th pick uh, they got from uh, Nashville, I believe. Uh, and the third pick in the uh, in round three. And that's among other picks and other rounds there. There are seven rounds total. Um, there's a decent draft class this year. Uh, some names that keep popping up are, include... Uh, Young man named Shane Wright, who played with Kingston in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, he's by many thought to be the first pick. Uh, Jiraj Slavkovsky, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right. He's from Slovakia, although he uh, made his name playing in the Finnish Liga in Finland. And a young man named Connor Geeky. Connor Geeky, could he be related to the Kraken's Morgan Geeky? Why, yes, he is. He's Morgan's younger brother who played for a very strong Winnipeg ice team from the uh, Western Hockey League. Many people thought they might win the championship. They had the best regular season record. So he had a lot of great players around him. 
they didn't they didn't make the finals, but a very good team, and um, he certainly made a name for himself in junior hockey this year. So he's those are three names. There are there are about you know eight, nine, ten names I, I I've read a lot about, but those are three that um, made some impression on me. Um, lots to consider. Uh, Jim, what is your view on all of this? Who who is truly the most attractive here? And most importantly, who do you think uh, the Kraken will end up with uh, for the first round pick? Well, as far as the draft class goes, it's probably uh, an A minus on paper. It's considered a good draft. Uh, it's not a generational pick type thing. You know, it's not a Sidney Crosby. It's not a McDavid situation. Uh, but Shane Wright has about 80% of the vote through all the professional scouting and all the talking heads and deservedly. So he's a complete player. Uh, he will go number one. It'd be su incredibly surprising if he didn't. And that's Montreal, he, right? The right. Um, it just, he's, he's got the whole thing and he's got the hockey IQ. It's, it's unquestionable. He's, he's pretty much the dude. Now the, things could get sh uh, shaken up here pretty quickly. It has a lot to do with that New Jersey pick could throw things off a little bit. Um, on paper, Slavkowski is the number two, the number one European uh, Central Scouting Bureau has him, and he's a big power forward, and they're kind of rare these days with good hands, you know, soft hands. And he's a he's a tough dude, and he's been in that, which is really strange that he's in the Finnish league as well. Um, but he, he's playing, he's, he's a boy amongst men in that league, and he, he kind of struggled, but he had a great international year and he had a great Olympics with seven goals and seven games and MVP. So that really stood out. Uh, th that's really who I wanted with the Kraken, to be honest with you, but I don't see it happening um, because that's what we need is a power forward, somebody to stand on the paint and get busy and get some goals. The number three been hanging out is Logan Cooley, super flashy, super high skill U.S. development program. Uh, he is committed to University of Minnesota next year, however, so there'll be a little bit of sacrifice there. Um, high skill, great skater, super smart, uh, looking around number three-ish. Uh, and then here we come into the Kraken's time zone of picks, which is those four or five guys. And the general consensus seems to be uh, Simone Nemec uh, from Slovakia. He's kind of a, it's not a real flashy guy, but he's equal O and equal defense. So he doesn't make mistakes much. He gets the job done. He's got decent numbers. He's a great puck mover and passer out of the zone. Um, he's a safe player. Problem is, is like I said, that number two pick is, is kind of tough. It could throw things off here. So we're going to keep pay attention to that. And the third pick could too. And then number five is uh, David or David Yurasek. Uh, who's Czechoslovakia, and he's a big guy, 6'3", 176. Uh, he was injured early in the year that set him back a little bit because he was ranked a little higher for the most part, but he got injured um, in the World Juniors. Big physical player as opposed to Nemec. Uh, he has a little nasty side to him. He's got a little bit of a choppy stride, but he's got a huge booming shot off the blue line. Uh, he's very attractive for a lot of scouts. So yeah. there's I'm glad, you, I'm glad you mentioned him, uh, Jim, because I yeah, I wasn't too too familiar with uh, Simone, who you mentioned earlier. But uh, David, and I, I saw, saw somebody, one of the pundits, I, you know, look at one of the uh, articles in The Athletic 
and you know they would call him like scary defenseman like you said he's intimidating and all that i mean if, if, if he heals up okay this seems like right. great because you know since uh, hackstall loves the d guys and all and uh i'm thinking uh that that could be a, that could be a nice pick. I was kind of hoping you'd mention him because I, I was oh really, yeah, like whoa, Kraken could use that kid. And they're both right-handed shots, which is always a super bonus for you know the NHL for deep position. And just a few more notes here. Um, there's a couple six, seven, eight. You know these first ten picks for the most part uh, that have gone up in stock. Uh, Joachim Kemmel, uh, forward, not a very big guy. Uh, good production numbers has a probably one of the best shots in the, of all the scouted players this year. It's an accurate shot and it's very heavy. Uh, so he's got to he'd be a sniper technically. Uh, Matthew Savoy is smallish player, but he's a lot like Cooley in his, in his talent and skill level and speed and handling and puck control and just dictating the game, kind of a puck magnet. Um, and then of course you brought up geeky, which I put him up there. His, his stock has dropped a little bit, but uh, he's another power forward. Uh, and I put him in there, but I, personally, me, I don't know where he's going to go. Uh, I don't have to play that geeky on geeky game myself. Um, oh, another, we'll hear that from some fans, won't we? Oh, he should, he should oh of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, I think I tweeted a joke months ago about you watch. We'll end up trading down to get him or something. It's just to say we have brothers, right? And then um, another U.S. development player I like a lot. Who's a another solid power forward, 6'3, 201. He'll go in the top 10, I believe. Is uh Cutter uh Gautier. Uh Gautier. He's Swedish born, hmm, but he plays in the US development program. You know, we can't go wrong with a power forward. He's a one-point a game guy. So his stock has gone up. And then I would like to see now, I don't know where he's gonna go on the local level. Is Kevin Korchinski for the T-Birds? Uh, his draft oh, stock. Yeah. His draft stock has gone up substantially in the last couple months. Uh, the scouting reports say he's pretty much got a great game at this point in his life. He just needs to work on that D side of things before he hits the big league. Um, but he's getting a lot of attention lately. And then my wild card situation of the entire draft is we're going to have to look at goalies, correct? We've got sure. basically an injured goalie. We have another goalie that had a struggling first year that's our big dollar goalie. We're going to have to pick up a goalie somewhere, whether it's via trade. You know, goaltenders aren't that big a stock market uh, when it comes to the draft, especially in early rounds. They don't they don't generally waste picks, but there's a three, four, five round type stuff. But you know what? What the hell? Go in your latest round if he's still available. He's an overager by a year. Never got drafted. Let's keep it home. Pick up Millick, Thomas Millick. Uh, late, late, late. If he's there, just grab him. And if you don't do that, for crying out loud, invite him back to camp like you did last year. And then you know what? Just sign him as an FA. Who cares? What, can, what do you got to lose? Yeah. Right? He showed some great yeah. skill. Going back to uh, Kevin, you know, he's 6'2". He's pushing 190. I'd like to see him, you know, get 195, 200. He had really good puck skills. Uh, he didn't have as many goals, but I think he had like 59 or 60 assists. And I mean, that's a lot compared to the rest of the draft class. That's, that's a lot. I mean, that just shows that he knows what he's doing with the puck, but yeah, I mean, put him down in Charlotte for a year and season him up, beef him up a little bit. And no Coachella, Coachella Valley. Uh, yeah, you're right. Thank you. Yep. The only problem about those picks after our first pick is, you know, 
there's no way we can get to that stuff unless we do some weird trading or, or some trading down, trading up. I don't know, but I, I just don't see them doing that. You know, you've got the first pick, uh, fourth pick in the first round. You've got in the second round, you've got the 35th, 49th, 58th, and 61st. There's, you know, there's quality there. It's out of that range of those guys we just basically talked about. I don't know, unless they want to try to keep it local and do some weird stuff. But Jim, let me ask you something more of a theoretical thing. And I mean, all the scouts and the people, the GMs make the picks. You know, this, this is an imperfect science. Obviously, there are a lot of draft choices that never make it to the NHL. It's, it's, it's a tough thing to figure out. And I wonder, and not, this isn't to, to pick on Connor Geeky, but, you know, I was reading one pundit saying, I mean, they think Geeky's really good and all. But some of these guys, you know, are surrounded by other great players, which can help your other player look better, uh, maybe better than he is because he's got so much, such a strong team around him. I don't know what Kingston's uh, record was or how they did in the OHL, but I mean, in the OHL, but I got the impression, you know, Shane had to really show himself up. I mean, he really had to be more of a leader. He didn't have as much uh, surrounding him as arguably as as geeky did how much and that was just an interesting point i thought and i wanted to bring that up to you just uh how much does that play into the the picks here are you more impressed with somebody who's maybe on a middling team and he really shows something or because maddie veneers was on a very good michigan team and he was for real as was some of his teammates so i don't know it's it's such a, a weird thing to juggle but it was an interesting point i thought that's an excellent question, Chris. And I was actually reading some of the scouting on Geeky because, you know, Savoy's ahead of him on this draft in the seventh position. And then there's another one on the club. I can't remember his name, but hand that's, that's higher rank too. So you've got three guys that were on that playoff team. Would they make it to the third round? I believe the Winnipeg Ice. Winnipeg. Yeah. So. They, they've made it pretty, kind of far. So, yes. So excellent high skilled team you know what it reminds me of is so for instance going back to the early 90s with the Kamloops Blazers and how solid that franchise was with Keith, with uh, Ken Hitchcock behind the bench as a coach that team was absolutely loaded with talent and they won it all uh they won a few more memorial cups but you know you had your Nina Myers your Iginlas uh your Sidors and they all went on to have incredible careers regardless and they were talking about the Winnipeg ice team with the talent on there. And they basically said the question that you were just asking. And yes, obviously it, it all helps in your numbers and your game, but they also said those other two guys wouldn't be doing it without Connor. So, cause Connor's game is, is a different game than theirs for sure. He's a big, thick guy. He, he's got a well-rounded power forward game, plays both ends of the ice and he has a great shot. Uh, that he would take away a lot of the focus off the other guys and they'd produce. And uh, so it, it's, it's just what it is. And it can happen both ways. You can be on a weak team and, and have that standout player. But I think you're actually better to be on that multi-talented team to, regardless. So, you know, that where I see the weak team situation is usually when it helps the goaltenders in the draft because they end up logging so many minutes their numbers may not be great, but they get so much exposure that they get drafted late, go into the minors and get lots of good experience and then start winning. And you know what? There's been a lot of goaltenders like that. So 
Now, Jay, I know you've been scribbling around there and doing some little, uh, you come up with your mock draft magic here. What, what do you got going on there? All right, you guys. I have a bunch of notes. I pulled the gym and I basically just decided to do some homework here for you. Okay. So the first thing I did, I went over to, what's that site? The cap site that everybody uses. Is it uh, puckopedia.com? Look up some info about the draft capital and That's what our I'm caps, on. yeah, what our cap space cap is and all that stuff. Yeah. So just to give you guys, you know, a little bit of heads up right now, the projected cap hit from what puckopedia.com is stating for the Seattle Kraken is 59.6 mil. All right. Cap space that we even currently have, according to the same website, is 22.8 mil. All right. Roster. Maybe Jim, you can help me out with some of this, you know, info here because I'm still new into reading this. This is something new, but maybe other listeners are interested in this too. So on the roster, it says we have 15 out of 23 right now. Now, is that currently signed contracted players that are longer or that are not going to be unrestricted free agents or restricted free agents? It's under contract players straight up regardless at this point. So the U.S. off the table. Okay. Now, on this other one, it shows that contracts are 23 out of 50, which I'm assuming those are also contract players that are going to be Coachella Valley Firebirds, right? Correct. Okay. So just to give you guys an idea of some of the biggest cap hits that we have right now um, on our offensive side or, yeah, so offensive, we're looking more like Eberly at 5.5 mil, Schwartz at 5.5 mil, Gord at five, uh, 5.1, McCann at 5. Um, and then you keep on going down. Uh, so um, defensive, our biggest hit is Alexiak at 4.6, uh, Larson at 4, and Dunn at 4. Goalie-wise, Grubauer's at 5.9, uh, Dreeser's at 3.5. I didn't see Joey on there. So does that mean is Joey not on the roster technically anymore? Well, I can't remember. Did, were you able to scroll all the way down and look at the yeah. minors too? Okay. And it didn't okay. have him on there? I didn't see him on there. Um, expired this year or what? I can't remember without looking, to be honest with you. Biggest names I saw for UFA that I saw were Victor Rask, which I knew was coming because that was kind of like the end of his deal when they got the trade going in here. And also Riley Sheehan. Uh, restricted free agents. I know that Chris doesn't like this hearing this, but Ryan Donato Ryan, yeah, is we're waiting on the Ryan. biggest one on there. Yep. Uh, Sprong's on there, Lynn's on there, Geeky's on there, and Coleman's on there. You guys know because it looks so pick wise, we have one number one, or we have one round pick, first round pick, uh, four second round picks. And three of those picks were due to trades that we made during uh, right before the trade deadline. Uh, third round, we have one. Fourth round, we have three. Fifth round, we have one. Sixth round, we have one. And seventh round, we have one. Listeners, to be aware, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing here. Okay, this is all this is all speculation and stuff that I've listened to from other podcasts and just things I've been reading on the internet. Now, for the first round pick, I have basically one that's pundit base. Second one is just what I think could potentially be. Um, so the first one that I have for us in the first round is David, uh, David Jerichek, or is it Jerichek, mm -hmm. uh, defenseman, uh, out of the Chechia, yes. uh, 
he's the best defensive player in the draft from what everybody's saying right now. I liked what I I do too, which makes sense. Now the other option is like, you know, something random happens where the first three picks that he goes in the first three picks. Uh, I'm saying Kevin Korchinski, uh, defenseman who was on the Seattle Thunderbirds. That just sounds like a beautiful Seattle story, right? That's just, especially with the year that the Thunderbirds had this year, pretty awesome. The only thing that I have worries about is that apparently he has some defensive issues, which is weird for a defenseman, in my opinion. Uh, but he has a very high offensive ceiling from what I'm reading here. And if we know anything about, you know, um, he loves defensive guys that can really get in there offensively. So second round, you guys are going to want to punch me through the face. And right by the here. way, I want to thank you for correcting me. Cause earlier I said there were two, I forgot you're right. There was, they got besides the national one, they got one from Toronto. That's right. And one from, uh, Florida via Calgary. Yeah. It'll make sense. So thanks for bringing that up. Chris and Jim are both going to hate me so much for this. And the reason why is, is because I'm going to say the first pick in the second round for the Kraken is going to be a trade. And you guys not going to like what I'm doing here. I had to really think about this. And the reason why is, is that I had to look up potential trade bait for the NHL draft from potential trade candidates. The first rule that I put on here, because if I know anything about sports, because of how much NFL I've watched throughout my entire life is that teams do not trade within their division, especially for players. That's most of the time. Okay. That's just a common sense kind of thing. You're not going to see the Seattle Seahawks trade with the San Francisco 49ers. That's just bad, bad for business in that opinion. So first of the fourth second round pick and the first of the fourth round pick, the Seattle Kraken will trade that and possibly a prospect player. I don't know who would pick, but they're going to trade it to the Boston Bruins <laughs> for David Pasternak. Oh, and this is the reason here. why. This is the reason why we're going to get pasta, okay? He's going to be on his contract year coming up here. I think he's on the last year yep. of a $6 million, or a six-year $40 million contract. Kraken have some space to maybe work an extension out. Do we really need him, though? possibly might be good he, he's probably in his prime right now the only other player Who doesn't need david Pasternak. Yeah. i know but everybody i'm hearing is saying he's going to go to the pens now i don't That's funny i hear that. vegas i don't believe the pens would they're they're in the same division right same conference, not division. Same conference. Okay, okay. so maybe that is a possibility you know they're not in the same division but I don't know. I think that Boston hates Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh hates Boston. That's just that's just what it looks like to me. So I think that DeBrusque was another option out of Austin too. But when you think about it, it's like I saw candidates like JT Miller. I saw guys uh, like uh, Phil Kessel. I just don't see it happening within our own. Like, I mean, even though Coyotes are not in our division anymore. I don't really see it happening. This is just a wild card thing, but to be, hey, do, do you have, do you have other picks too? I have other picks, okay. but that was just a wild card situation because the only way I saw it happening was one of those second round picks, like at least the first one of those second round picks, another bigger pick, which is fourth round 
you know, or maybe even a third, but we only have one third round and a prospect player going into that bunch. Interesting. I knew you were going to go with Poston from the get go. Um, <laughs> it, it doesn't, I, I did. Shit. We've talked about this before. Well, not sort being of. you, I don't think, have we? Anyway, so, um, you know, and that whole pasta talk's not bothering me at all from what I hear. I'm just, I'm moving on. It's, it's basically a semi-rebuild at this point. is going to cost you more than that, though. He's going to cost you a first-rounder at a minimum, um, in my opinion. So you could do something the following two or three years down the line or whatever. But besides that, um, that's a reasonable study session you got there. It's, it's, it's fully detailed. I think it's just going to cost more. I did it to impress you. I'm kind of impressed. Because I, I respect you. Oh, <laughs> so uh, my other second round, while like just random picks, I just went with any player that I felt was like, okay, this player's got some height. It's got some weight on him. George Isaiah defenseman out of Chicago's USHL for another second round pick. Um, Lestarza out of Sioux Falls, USHL right winger. Like that, Damon Gardner, center out of uh, no, yeah, center out of Warrow, uh, which is that higher mountain, Jim, or higher Warwood, Minnesota, and then goalie. I picked at third round pick, another local ties here, Braden Holt out of Everett, Silver Tips, okay, WHL. Uh, for our fourth round, one of the fourth round picks, I have Jacob Krizan, Slovakia junior hockey. Okay, and then this is the last thing I'm going to do here. We're going to do another trade. We're going to trade our other – we have three fourth-round picks, don't we? I believe so, yes. Uh, okay. That sounds we're, we're, right. Yeah, I didn't we're go gonna trade our third. We're going to trade our third fourth-rounder for Semyon Varlamov from the New York Islanders. That's not a bad deal on that. That's your best deal on the whole deal right there. That's my mock draft. I'm not even going to go with five, six, and seven because it's fucking pointless. Yeah. No, that was okay. <laughs> I think it's really cool reading some of this stuff, getting more in doubt because I know NFL draft stuff a lot better than I do NHL. I don't know how much different it is, but I also know understand NFL cap, uh, salary cap a lot better than let's say NHL or I don't think NBA even has a cap or whatever sports. You know, if there's if it's anything like NFL salary cap you can get away with a lot of different loopholes and such to work around contracts to make anything happen whether you put like in signing bonus money up front so it doesn't hit your draft capital or i mean your um, your salary cap uh, i don't know if the nhl's got certain rules and regulations that agents work around or gms work around to make those things happen you know um what will happen in this draft especially for our second year of having this you know, this team. And it's really going to be really interesting to see because last year we were just really excited about the expansion draft and what players we were going to have, the existing players we were going to have. Uh, but now, you know, it was really exciting to see Maddie Beneers come in at the end of the season and really show that, holy crap, this is going to be a really cool cornerstone of the future right here of what we're moving forward. But now I see we're going to go defensive heavy on this next draft because we need to really pull in and make a defensive heavy front on that cornerstone for this team's future. Well, everything, even though we may think that whole pasta uh, idea of yours is kind of whack and will never happen. 
Everything I thought you said was plausible. I, yeah. If, if pasta comes to the crack and I'm buying a jersey. Oh, oh great. I, me too. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I've, I've got, I've got, I've got a t-shirt of his, uh, with, with Bruins insignia and, uh, you know, and it could, it could happen. I mean, a lot of things could happen. Who knows? And we see some, you know, unusual yeah. uh, moves in the NHL every year. So, Hey, not crazy. And you were keeping an eye on the cap stuff, which a lot of people, when, you know, you hear layman say, Oh, why don't you trade for so-and-so and so-and-so not even thinking of that, the whole aspect of it. So, Hey, good homework, Jay. Let's, let's keep, keep that aside. Don't lose that. And we'll uh, see if uh, your, uh, your predictions come true. Interesting. Uh, before we go, Nathan, any, I, any thoughts on any of this uh, before we go to the next segment? No, uh, I, like I said, you know, I'm hung up on Kevin from Seattle. Um, I've got a lot of free agent talk, but that's for another episode. All right. Well, yes, free agent talk. We'll be doing that in the next one. We will be doing a recording again, our next one in mid-July uh, after the draft, but a little bit before uh, free agency opening season. So uh, that, that'll be coming up. So keep your notes ready for that. All right, fellas, good stuff. Um, last segment uh, we're just we're going to tackle here, not not long, but uh, something we want to uh, acknowledge because it's a big deal that happened um, is uh, about the Hockey Hall of Fame induction list. It's a list that uh, certainly Vancouver Canucks fans are happy about. As three former Canucks are among the inductees, we've got Henrik Sedin, his brother Daniel Sedin. Goalie Roberto Luongo, who played for a number of teams, but uh, perhaps his most notable years are with uh, Vancouver. Daniel Alfredson, who was a longtime player with Ottawa. Uh, Rika Salomon, hopefully I'm pronouncing Rika's name right. Uh, she's a, uh, she was a longtime player with the Finnish national women's team. It's nice to get a lady in there. And uh, lastly, Herb Carnegie, uh, who is recognized as a builder inductee. Uh, it's a posthumous induction. Herb played professionally in the minor leagues back in the 1940s and 50s and was unfortunately denied a spot on an NHL club. Uh, he's a black player and uh, his time was uh, before Willie O'Ree broke the color barrier in the NHL. So he's, um, he's getting recognized as well. Uh, as, as typical, you know, and talk about Hall of Fame induct, inductees, uh, some are very obvious every year and some and maybe not so some are arguably get in. Uh, there are certainly uh, other players out there that have similar stats who aren't in yet reading a number of pundits thoughts. And, and I thought they made some good points and people like Alexander McGilney, Keith Kachuk, Theo Fleury, among others I can point to who have some similar numbers and aren't in, maybe they will get in later. We'll see. Um, I think all the inductees this year, personally, I were worthy. Uh, Jim, I'm going to go back to you since I know you're very well aware of all these players. Uh, what do you think of this class of 2022? Okay, so the uh, the Hall of Fame to me is at times much like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, although the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame gets it wrong a lot. Um, <laughs> well, they, they bring, I know when I yeah, said they bring right. in a lot of non-rock and roll, at least these folks are hockey. Uh, it's just, I mean, it's just the most controversial hall of fame in the history of hall of fames, but you're right. Hockey, it does. 
Uh, hockey does okay, although, like you said, Chris, there's there's a long list of folks that probably should go ahead a couple of these guys anyway, but I don't care. Um, the Sedins, I had the privilege of watching these guys annually uh, on road trips up there, whether they were playing the Bruins or some other NHL club. I saw them a ton. They played 18 years together. They're deserving of this. Um, you know, twins, you, all the pros that they interview that played against them still can't get over how uncanny it was to play against twins that truly knew where each other were without looking, you know. And it was evident in their point production, or, you know, 10, 1041 and uh, 1070. Um, Henrik was the sniper, or was it Henrik? I can't remember. See, I'm already confused. I thought it was Daniel, but I could be wrong too. Yeah, it is. It is. It's Daniel with 393 uh, goals, uh, 1041 points. And then uh, Henrik had uh, 1070 and he was the assist guy, but still, man, that's a lot of points. That's a lot of games. And their two way numbers were incredible. You know, they both had like a plus 141 plus 162 or something, just stupid numbers. Um, very impressive. And like I said, I got to watch them. I did a lot of isolation on those guys, but at the same time, Chris, you and me are Bruins fans. We saw them in 2011 and, you know, there was a little bit of just kind of, I don't like these guys. So it was kind of fun to see the old rock'em sock'em robot Marshawn with the dunk dunk uh, upper jabs. And yeah, I figured which is the Dean brother where that was, but yeah, a little, a little and, ball and, of and, hate and, Marshawn all, all over him that one game. And and the great game four goal by Marshan over uh, that was right in front of me in Boston Garden on Luongo, but Luongo, what a great career too. Uh, I wasn't a big fan for you know obvious reasons, but he had a hell of a career. Obviously, um, he's one of those guys that sometimes you're like, he made the Hall of Fame, really? I, I know he was good, I know. Then, and then you look at the stats, like, oh yeah, I guess I guess exactly. so. And I, I was going to exactly. say about Luongo to your point about being able to see him. I actually have some bragging rights of seeing Roberto Luongo when he was in the AHL playing for the Low Lock Monsters, who were the, NA, yeah. the New York Islanders affiliate at that time. He was he was originally a, a, in the Islander system, and uh, I got to see him play a couple of times. And because you know how many Roberto Luongos, you just kind of remember that name, and uh, and then later on he you know. He has a hell of a career, so I saw a future Hall of Famer very early on. I'm I'm, I'm psyched about that. And then uh, Alfredson, I was a fan of that guy's game for sure. Uh, with Ottawa for all those years, he was a uh, you know the influx of the European players, especially from Sweden in the early 2000s. He was one of those guys that stood out, and you know he won several awards, several trophies over the years. Uh, but I was listening to a radio program the other day about him that it, it totally rung true about a lot of them when they'd come over, you know, playing on the 200 by 100 ice, uh, it was the softer game for sure. You come to North America, it's a much more physical game, tighter checking. And Alfredson totally changed his game to the North American style rather quickly and became very good at it. He was kind of had a little mean streak about him at times. He was physical. He was a tight defensive player. And his numbers were just as good as the Sedins. You know, 1157 in points. Um, Long career, too. Yeah, and he had a ton of goals. He was just, you know, what was it, 444? So he was a plus 155. This guy was solid. He had a he had a 103-point year in 05-06 season. 
And he also won the Calder. So he was rookie of the year. It's, it's outstanding career, actually. So, yeah. Yeah. What about uh, Nash, Rick Nash? You know, he played, what, 15, 16 years? He didn't win a Stanley Cup, but he had a gold medal with Canada, two silver. Yeah. You know, I mean, sure I, I always enjoyed watching him. Yeah, no, he can be considered. I mean, uh, Brian Bellows is an, I mean, he's going a little earlier, but I mean, there were, there are some names out there that are floating that, you know, could end up there. Uh, Nash is a yeah. point. It's interesting that a lot of, uh, you kind of like you, your point earlier, Jim, about goaltenders not going high in the draft, high rounds. Not a ton of goaltenders in the Hall of Fame either. You know, uh, that was interesting to see Luongo. I mean, just there are some others that, you know, have some great numbers, but maybe they didn't have as long a career or, or whatever the reasoning is. So that's, that's kind of interesting. too. Right. So I kind of like I love well, watching goaltenders. So it's kind of cool to see that. A lot of that was, uh, you know, the whole original six eras when you pick up on a lot of tenders with long careers that would make it in the Hall of Fame. But then again, there was a big gap before they got that. You know, when you move up to 32 teams or whatever and all these goalies, you probably only have on average about five every year that stand out, but how long are their careers stand out? There's not many carry prices. There's not many Luongos, you know, that type of deal or, or Belfours or whatever going down the line. They're usually two, three, four, maybe injury bugs. And that's just kind of it, even though their numbers were outstanding. So, yeah. Yeah, I know. It makes you wonder like what, what crack in a player are we watching now? who could become that. I don't want to jinx anybody, so I won't say anything, but there could be one or two guys on the team that we could see someday. I'm not going to jinx it either. Hackstall, coach of the century. Oh, stop it. <laughs> you, go. you know. How, how did you, know. you guess, Nathan? <laughs> Maybe that was a karma plug. There. Yeah, exactly. All right, right on. Great discussion, guys. Uh, wow. We thought we'd maybe have a little short chat. We we had a lot to talk about because we haven't seen each other in weeks and uh, we there was a lot to talk about. And we'll have a lot more to talk about next month uh, about the free agency and uh, a little wrap up. We'll see uh, the soothsayer here, uh, Jay Middleton, and how accurate he was, the great Schwami Middleton. We'll see. Could, could happen. Schwami Middleton, eh? Swami like Middleton. <laughs> there we go. That hey, uh, on, a, on another note, guys, and everyone listening, uh, we want to let you know that there's some recent changes at Kraken FanCast. Uh, first off, Luke Chelios is no longer with us. We thank him very much for his involvement in the founding of this podcast and his contributions throughout our first season. Uh, also, there's a change with our website and Facebook page. Uh, we are in the midst of redoing and relaunching those pages. So please stay tuned for more info on that. We're going to aim to get those relaunched very soon. We do, however, still have our Instagram and Twitter pages running. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter. Our handle there is at Cast Kraken. Instagram is under Kraken Fancast. So please uh, connect with us on there. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, which we aim to utilize much more in the upcoming season. And please remember our Patreon page, uh, which is uh, for our financial supporters, who are very, very grateful to all of our supporters on there. And we aim to bring more perks for membership in the coming season. You can check that out at patreon.com slash Kraken Fancast. 
Uh, as I mentioned a couple times earlier, we aim to be back in mid-July to discuss uh, who the Kraken actually picked up in the draft, as well as discuss uh, free agency prospects, uh, since NHL free agency will begin shortly after our next reporting. Hopefully, we'll have some more Kraken news to dig into as well. So thanks much, as always, to our producer and today contributor, Jay Middleton. Uh, for Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson, we thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, we say, go, go Kraken. Kraken. Kraken.